Good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the day that the Lord has made. We are rejoicing and we are glad about it. Go ahead and share this with your neighbors and your friends. We're so glad that you are worshiping with us on this Lord's Day. We count it a blessing whenever we can gather together, though virtually, whenever we can come together as the body of Christ and fellowship uh, in this way of technology. We give God praise and glory for that. So go ahead, share this with your neighbors and your friends. Let them know that you're alive with us uh, as we worship the Lord together in spirit and truth. God is great and he is greatly to be praised. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, let me go ahead and let you know we here at K Chapel, our hearts are heavy right now. Uh, we're grieving right now because we have lost someone so so special to us here in the K Chapel family, special in so many ways. He's been a part of our leadership team, a part uh, of our finance team, every part of K Chapel that you can think about. I promise you, uh, his fingerprints are up on it. And so uh, we're, we're grieving right now the loss of our dear brother, Brother Terry Collins. Uh, many of you already know, but uh, he, he passed on early uh, Saturday morning, early Saturday morning. We uh, lost him due to uh, COVID complications. And so we want you to be in prayer uh, for Sister Vera Collins and for the Collins family, all uh, of the children, grandchildren, all who are so special uh, in that family. They are a special family to us. Uh, we can't think of, of, of Kay Chapel without Brother Terry Collins, but uh, we know that, that God is a very present help. Uh, in time of trouble. He is the lifter of bowed down heads. Uh, he is the dryer of our tears. And in time, he will restore our joy. So continue uh, to lift up Sister Vera Collins. Amen. Lift her up in your prayers. Lift her up even during this worship uh, this worship time. Go ahead and, and, and put some hearts of love and some uh, hands of, of praying uh, in the time chat to let them know that you're standing with them in solidarity with them during this time uh, of bereavement. But we know, we know that in and through it all, God shall be praised. In fact, all of our praise will go to him. All of our praise belongs to him. All of our praise goes to our God. Good morning, Lord. We ask you to accept our praise, accept our sacrifice. Help us to dismiss ourselves, Lord, to give you a true and honest, heartfelt, spirit-led praise. You're worthy, God. And we thank you. We bless you this morning. You've been so good despite ourselves. And this morning, we want to give you our best praise. Awesome God. Awesome God you are. Mighty deliverer. Mighty deliverer. You are my strength. You are my strength. Incredible God. Incredible God you are. You're my protector. You're my protector. And my defense. And my defense. Every day. Every day your grace is renewed. 
Your mercy endureth. Your mercy endureth. I live just to my love for you. So I worship. So I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another by this shall all men know that you are my disciples 
if you have love one to another. May God have a blessing to the reading of his word. May we pray. Father, we come this morning just thanking you for all your many blessings. Thanking you, Father, for waking us this morning for a portion of health and strength and for bringing us together, Father, to give you praise. We thank you, Father, for Jesus, that he died that we might have a right to the tree of life. We come this morning, Father, praying for those who are sick, those who are shut in, those who don't know you in the pardon of this sin. We pray, Father, this morning that something might be said, something might be done that would lead them to come running to you. And we thank you, Father. We pray for strength. We pray for a new determination that we might hold out until our change comes. Help us, Father. We pray for this church that it may continue to be a light in this community. And we just thank you for all you've done. And these and other blessings we ask in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. The Lord our God is a gracious God. He is a giving God. He's a God who provides all of our needs. And during this time of offering, this is the time that we celebrate all that God has done for us. We invite you to give your tithe and your offering in any number of ways that you see on your screen now. We also invite you to give liberally, cheerfully, regularly, for God loves a cheerful giver. Won't you give right now in this, our tithe and offering period? Oh, 
Father, we come just thanking you for these gifts, for those who gave it, Father, for those who had it not to give, but they had the desire to give. We pray that you would multiply it, Father, that it may be used for the uplifting of your kingdom. And these and other blessings we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
won't you join me in the time that is ours as we enter into the study of God's word, first with a word of prayer. Let us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, how grateful, how thankful we are for the truth of your word, for the power contained therein. We pray, O oh God, your spirit guiding us, illuminating our minds to the truth, to the joy, to the victory that is ours to claim. O oh God, open our ears and open our eyes that we might receive the truth of your word and live by it, walking by faith, not by sight. Grant it, O oh God, in Jesus' name, for his sake we pray. Amen and amen. In the book of John, John's Gospel, chapter number 13, beginning with verse number 34, there these words are recorded. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. I want to preach from this subject this morning, a different kind of love a different kind of love. In what would be our Lord's last group setting with all of his disciples present, Jesus invites them to share a meal with him and in so doing to share a defining moment, a moment in which ultimately the love that he had for the world and for his disciples would be demonstrated. It would be a different kind of love. The text begins with Jesus telling the disciples of his desire to share the Passover meal with them. Peter and John have been given very specific instructions to go and secure that which we refer to as the upper room. That location now being secured, the disciples gather together and meet Jesus to eat this meal of remembrance, this meal that was instituted to remember the liberating power of God, freeing the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. When they finish eating, the disciples are still picking their teeth when Jesus excuses himself from the table to get a basin of water, a towel. And he begins to do something that takes all of them by surprise. He starts to wash their feet. All of them. One by one. Andrew. James. Peter. John. Matthew. Simon. Nathaniel. Philip. Thomas. James the Lesser, Thaddeus, and even Judas. He washed their feet. Now, in order for him to wash their feet, Jesus must assume a posture of submission and service. He must physically get on his knees and lower himself. And while in that subservient position engaging in this menial 
task, a meaningful teaching moment begins to bubble to the surface. All eyes are upon him as they wrestle with the fact that their teacher, their leader, the one they called master, was modest enough to do something so basic, something so trivial, so simple, something that was considered to be lesser work reserved for mere servants. When he finished doing that, he returns to his seat and he asks them, do you know what I just did? Nobody says anything. In fact, the only one who had been talking up to that point was Peter, who had initially re resisted Jesus washing his feet, saying to him, Lord, uh, I, you shouldn't be washing my feet. I should be washing yours. And, and Jesus says to him, if I don't wash your feet, Peter, you will have no part of me. Peter says, well, Lord, put it like that. Don't just wash my feet, but my hands and my head also. And sometimes we laugh at Peter's impetuous nature. He, he, he's that, 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 that kid in the classroom who's always raising his hand, always has something to say, even if it's wrong. He's usually weighing in the conversation, putting his two cents in. But, but I like Peter's response here because basically what he says is, Lord, if, 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 if washing is what secures my connection with you, then, then Lord, I got to be honest in letting you know that I know that there's some other parts of me that need some attention. It's not just my feet that get me in the trouble, but my hands get me in the trouble. I do things that I shouldn't do. I, I sometimes act violently. I, I, I cut people's ears off when, when they get on my nerves. Lord, not just my feet, but do something with these hands. And, and not just my hands, but, but Lord, my head gets me into trouble because I think certain thoughts and I have certain ideas that I know are not right. So Lord, I need you to wash more than my feet. Uh, I need you to wash all of me, take all of me. And at least Peter is honest enough to say, Lord, I need need to be cleansed completely. Some of us would do well today to give ourselves to the Lord completely and saying, clean all of me, my hands, my mind, my heart, my mouth, my motives, my intentions, Lord, not just my feet, but clean all of me. But the lesson that Jesus was teaching his disciples was not uh, about salvation. Not being clean for salvation, but, 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 but this lesson was about service. And it is a service that grew out of love. Listen to his teaching again in verses 14 and 15. He says, if I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, Ye also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Jesus uses this act of service as a moment to model what we call and refer to as servant leadership. And servant leadership has been taught and talked about in both sacred and secular spaces. You can find books and seminars on servant leadership. But here's the thing that so many people miss about servant leadership. In order for servant leadership to have the impact that Jesus intends, it must be birthed in and out of a different kind of love. 
Jesus says, I've given you an example in the washing of your feet, in serving you, in lowering myself from status and title and ministering. And that example is the one that I want you, my disciples, to follow. What a tremendous example indeed. For the master to humble himself and serve. But the key to such humility and such servant leadership is found in our watchwords for this morning. Verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Now certainly, there is nothing new about this commandment. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, but, but, but there's nothing new about the commandment to love. It was a part of the law of God given to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai. But, but, but Jesus knows that the law of God and man's expression of that law, that those two things are oftentimes at different ends of the continuum. And so Jesus says, a new commandment. I give to you. And even though you've heard that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and even though you've heard that you should love your neighbor as yourself, a new commandment I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. In other words, you don't have to go and ponder and wonder about what loving your neighbor looks like. Do what I've done for you. You don't have to imagine what loving one another means. You don't have to come up with your own definition or come up with another possibility of what loving one another looks like. Love one another, he says, as I have loved you. Let my example given to you on this day be the one that lives in your heart and stays on your mind as the principal expression of love. A new commandment I give unto you. Love one another as I have loved you. And we are, in, we are encouraged this morning then as disciples of Christ to have and to express a different kind of love. Not the love of this world, not a love that looks out for itself or seeks after its own, but a different kind of love. Not a love that keeps record of having been wronged or whose turn it is to forgive the next person, but a different kind of love. Not, not the kind of love that helps only when, when being asked or a love that helps only those who have helped you, but a different kind of love. Not, not a love that blesses those who bless you or does good to those who have done good to you, but a different kind of love. Not a love that only supports the supportive or only encourages the encouraging or only loves the loving, but a different kind of love. Jesus had already taught them to bless those who curse you. He had already labored to say to them, pray for those who despitefully use you. But now he teaches them by example and says, you do to each other what I have done to you. Lower yourselves before one another and serve each other. Take off your titles. Don't get so stuck on your status. Don't look so much upon your position. Remove all of those things. Love one another as I have loved you. And then Jesus drops this bombshell on them. He says that their discipleship 
was not going to be recognized because they had been with him, but rather because they loved like him. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. This different kind of love that Jesus demonstrates and asks his disciples to follow you and me. It is, first of all, a conspicuous love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. The way that you treat each other then will be the sign that you have been with the Savior. The way that you talk with each other will be the sign that you are saved. The, the way that you serve one another will be the sign, Peter, that you are saved. The manner in which you care for one another, uh, uh, James, will be the sign that you are saved. The way that you handle each other, Thaddeus, will be the sign that you are saved. Jesus says that the way that we will be identified as he is, is by expressing this conspicuous different kind of love that treats people, all people, with dignity this conspicuous love makes you love people that you don't really like <laughs> and I know I know I know I know you're further along in your discipleship than I am I know you've been walking with them a longer time than I have and and you've gotten all of this worked out in your faith development I, I know this doesn't apply to you but I'll be honest in saying that there are some people who I love who I just don't like I don't like their ways I don't like their attitude I don't I don't like their thinking I, there's some pope people I love but I don't like I don't like their ideologies I don't like their politics I don't like the positions that they take on certain issues I love them but I don't like them I don't like the legislation they draft I don't like the policies they put in place I don't like the, the way they talk about people who are different from them I love them but I don't like them I don't like their hypocrisy I don't like their lack of integrity I don't like their dishonesty and if I'm honest these are people who challenge me they stretch me they pull the God and the good that's in me out of me and it is this conspicuous love of Christ that dwells inside of me that helps me to love folk that I don't like and when you love even if you don't like them you won't hurt them if you have the chance to when you love them if I love you even if I don't like you I I see your humanity and still treat you with dignity. When I love you, even if I don't like you, I'll help you when I can and demonstrate empathy in meaningful ways. When I love you, even if I don't like you, I'll show up when you need me. That's this conspicuous love that takes me beyond my flesh and what my flesh wants to do to doing what my spirit knows to do is the right thing to do. It's a conspicuous kind of love. Not only is this love that Jesus demonstrated a conspicuous love, but it is a complete love. I love how this chapter begins, chapter uh, number 13. It, it, it reads in verse 1, Now, uh, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them unto the end the end he loved them unto the end jesus loved his disciples until he couldn't do it anymore 
He loved them unto the end. It was a complete love. And Jesus says to his disciples, to you and to me, that that's the way I want you to love one another. Love each other until you don't have anything left. He loved them completely until the end. This love that Jesus demonstrates is not a love that gets tired and gives up. It's not a love that throws in the towel on people because it's gotten hard. It's not a love that says, says I, 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 when I said yes, I didn't mean yes to this, that, and it. No, this love is a love that says I'm committed to you and I'm given to you and I will love you until the end. And I'll only stop loving you when my end has come. Complete love. Jesus says, that's how the world will know that you are my disciples. It's when you demonstrate a conspicuous love, a complete love. But then thirdly, it's a costly love. Jesus says, I want you to love one another as I've loved you. Well, Lord, how have you loved us? Jesus responds, I loved you by giving you everything I had to give. It's costly. It's a love that is always connected to giving. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Love connected to giving. Galatians 2 and 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, love is connected to giving. Ephesians 5 and 2, walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Love connected to giving. Ephesians 5 and 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love connected to giving. 1 John 3 and 16, we know love by this that he laid down his life for us. Love connected to Giving this different kind of love that Jesus demonstrates and instructs for his disciples to follow. It is not cheap. It is not some knockoff. It is authentic, genuine, costly love that requires selfless sacrifice. This, this is what allows us to gather this morning to our own meal of remembrance. Because of the selfless sacrifice of the Savior whose love was put on public display one Friday on a hill called Calvary. There, on that hill, on that cross, love was shown when he gave himself to the, knee, to the nails and gave himself to the spear and gave himself to a crown of thorns. Love was on display. And he bled and died for my sins and for yours. Love was on display when he who knew no sin became sin and took on himself the sins of the world. Love was on display when he refused to use his own power to come down from the cross but remained there securing our salvation. Love was on display that Friday for he loved us until the end. 
But good news this morning is that on Sunday morning, love was met with power. For on Sunday morning, while love let him die, power demanded that he get up. Love let him lay down, but power demanded that he rise again. Love led him to the cross, but power raised him to receive a crown. And he rose with all power in heaven and earth in his hands. We, we are the loved children of God. And as his children, we are called to let love be the highest expression that we can give to one another. For without love... The soul collapses within itself. Without love, the heart of man cools and his spirit dwindles into an abyss of darkness. But with love, the heart, the soul, and the spirit will all catch a blaze and ignite the wondrous light of Christ that has the power to make our world a different kind of world. Because of a different kind of love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you his peace. My brother, my sister, if, if you have wondered what this love feels like, this different kind of love, there's no need of me trying to explain it to you. You can experience it for yourself. Jesus Christ died not only for me. He died for you. And in so doing, that death was the ultimate expression of his love for you. All we have to do, all anyone has to do, is accept that sacrifice, accept that love, accept that gift, saying, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring enough about me to give your life that I might live. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not thanked him for that gift, if you've not received him into your life, I want you to pray this prayer, and then thereafter, I want you to call the number that's on your screen. 
somebody's there waiting to talk with you and pray with you and, and be excited with you. And you've now accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Let's pray this prayer together. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for loving me. Even when I felt that I was unlovable, you loved me. So now, God, I accept Jesus, your son, as my Savior. Come into my life. Make me a new creature in Christ. I believe you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead. And right now by faith, I claim you to be my savior and my king. In Jesus name, amen. Somebody's waiting to talk to you right now. Go ahead, make that call. no greater love than a man would lay down his life for his friend. Jesus Christ is the epitome of love because he died that we might live. Beloved, I pray that you have your elements together as we celebrate this Lord's Day by sharing this meal of remembrance. When the Jews ate the Passover meal, it was to remember God freeing them from Egyptian bondage. But when we eat this meal, we eat it to remember Jesus Christ liberating us and delivering us from the power and the penalty and the punishment of sin. But beloved, if you will, go ahead and get your cracker and let's celebrate this meal of remembrance together. And he took bread, break it and blessed it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Likewise, after the same manner, he took the cup and blessed it, saying, This is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sin. So often as we do this, we do show forth his death and suffering until he comes again. Let us drink together. When they had finished, they sung a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us for this worship experience. It's another Lord's Day, and, and we're thankful that God has brought us together to share collectively, even though virtually, we're still the body of Christ. We're still fellowshipping together. We're still one K Chapel. God bless you. God keep you is our prayer. And now may the grace of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. And amen. God bless you.
Go in peace.